So we went from Carl Bart to Johnny Cash. Like I said, I have a 14 volume set of books from Carl Bart. Like he spent most of his adult life, like in a room on a typewriter. You know what I mean? And like, I was thinking through this and I was like, you know, Johnny Cash or, or Dylan or whoever it might be. But I picked Johnny Cash cause he's um, the coolest. I'm a big Willie Nelson fan though too. Yeah, yeah, cool. um, so I would have liked Willie Nelson, but uh, <clears throat> you got to make sure got to make sure he's with it. You know yeah. what I mean? You got to so. catch <laughs> Willie on a good day. You got to catch Willie on a good day. <laughs> hey, and welcome to the All Things All People podcast. This week is an all new crew episode. And just here in a minute, you're going to get the opportunity, just like I do, to talk to Josh Cribb and Ben Cole, or at least I get the opportunity to talk to them. You get the opportunity to listen to them and listen to what was an extremely fun conversation um, that I'm going to tell you about here in just a second. But first, I want to make sure that you know about the biggest thing that All Things All People is embarking on right now, which is April 5th, the launch of our pop-up shop. That's right, April 5th. We're going to have ATAP merch for you to check out. So on April 5th, make sure, go and circle that on your calendar. Do whatever you need to do to remind yourself to check out the pop-up shop. You can go to the, the notes in this episode to allthingsallpeople.org. You can go to the bio on the allthings.allpeople Instagram and check out the shop for some Think Like a Christian merch. And that's only going to be open for two weeks so that we can... Uh, fulfill and ship those orders as quickly as we can and get them to you so you can start not just representing ATAP in your circles of influence, but letting people know who it's who it is that you're about and what it is that you're about. And that is being a follower of Jesus, literally wearing it everywhere you go and letting people know that you're doing your best to think like a Christian and of course, therefore act like one too. So I'm excited for you to uh, check that out starting April 5th. But today... I'm excited for you to listen to me and the guys talk about our ideal dinner guests. Now, it's not just who we would want to hang out with, but the people who we think sitting around a dinner table would bring about the most fascinating conversations about all sorts of things, about life, about God, um, and and all and everything in between. And so me and the guys uh, spent about a week thinking about it put our best efforts into some lists that not just would be entertaining, but legitimately are people both alive and dead who we think would make an entertaining and thoughtful bunch. The only rule was no one from the Bible. And so I'm excited for you to listen to it. Let us know. Drop us uh, a line at jeremy at allthingsallpeople.org or hit me up on Instagram at allthings.allpeople and let me know who would be at your dinner table if you had the same opportunity. But until then, I want to make sure that you get to listen to our Christian thinkers for this week, which not as quite as impressive as some of the other people we've had on this show, uh, but myself, Josh, and Ben, the ATAP crew. Let's do it. All right, so uh, we are here with the All Things All People crew, which includes, and I'm going to use, I think, y'all's titles for the first time. Let's do it. Creative Director, Joshua Cribb. Hello. And uh, Finance Director, because we're starting to have finances. I know, look at that. Look at that. <laughs> Come on. Come on. 
Ben Cole, hey finance, guys. yeah, finance director. So um, we have these guys uh, joining in on the fun this week for an all things all people uh, crew episode, and uh, we have what I think is going to be a tremendous conversation. I I've actually had to stop uh, you boys at dinner from talking preemptively about the topic because I wanted to save up all our best conversations. And for anybody who doesn't know, uh, you can go follow all things all people on Instagram because I, I was posting some pictures during the, the filming of this episode. Uh, it's an all things, all people tradition. We eat pretty well before we re- record mm-hmm. these episodes. So how are you boys feeling right now? Feel good. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, I you might, were a little I'm bit sluggish after dinner. Uh, sure, it about put me down. I'll it about put steaks. me down. Yeah, I'll rib, yeah, uh, yeah. ribeyes. We all got ribeyes. Yeah, yeah. I like. I always feel good after I eat a steak. Like I'm ready to record a podcast. I was ready for a nap. You were ready for a nap. Uh, well, I'm ready to hear y'all's lists. And the concept uh, that this episode is based around is the best hypothetical dinner party you could have, inviting six guests. Uh, dead or alive, non-biblical figures, okay? And Josh, I know that you're a big fan of the Apocrypha, so the Maccabees are out as well. Uh, Enoch is out. Dang. Um, yeah. That's, so my, that's my boy. Enoch is That's yeah. my boy. <laughs> so, uh, but no no biblical figures. And the only reason for that is this is, is um, inherently like you're just to be, just to seem like a good Christian, you're going to, say Jesus, Paul, John, Peter, you know, uh, any combination of Jesus and the disciples probably. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Some of the people we're going to mention tonight, I feel like they should be in the, they should be biblical figures. <laughs> Some of them. And then <laughs> others very much not the case. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. uh, we, we did show each other the lists ahead of time. Just so you're calling out my list like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not your list. Ben's Ben's list is actually full of wild cards. That's true. Uh, when I got Ben's list, I was like, okay, this is going to be a good podcast. When so, I saw Ben's list, I was like, he's going to explain who these people are. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll, I'll get us started off, and w- what we're going to do is uh, read off our lists and, and explain for the other guys at the table and for the listeners at home um, or, you know, riding an exercise bike or driving in their car on their way to work, whatever it might be. Our good buddy Jake's probably listening to this v- at this very moment in a fountain electric truck driving to Morganton or something like that. But um, explain who these people are. And why they have a seat at the table, mm-hmm. uh, especially maybe in the in in regards to the combinations therein. So I think we decided I'm going first, right? Yes, okay. sir. So my six dinner guests are surprise, surprise. The first one is um, the Reverend Tim Keller. Mm-hmm. Um, Strong, yeah, Tim Keller. Uh, so Tim, so so Tim Tim Keller is uh, probably been the biggest influence on me as a pastor and teacher. Preacher, all, all those other things, um, and uh, pastor out of Redeemer uh, in New York City. Not anymore, actually. Um, resigned from pastoring a few years back. Um, and uh, just has shaped much of the way, I think. Um, along with him, so along with uh, Timmy K, as Ben calls him, is <laughs> another guy uh, who, who is a big deal for me, and that's Carl Bart. Carl Bart or Barth, as his last name is spelled, are, other than hanging out with me, do either of you have any exposure to Carl Bart at all? Just from hearing other theologians talk about him, I've never read any of his material. I think I like started reading some of his stuff and then kind of be like, I'll pick this up later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's the reaction. Do you guys know the the huge 
set of books that I have like right next to my desk. Mm -hmm. So that's church dogmatics. So Carl Bart, his most famous work is a, is a, is a multi-volume set. I think it's like 14 volumes. looks like an encyclopedia and it's called church dogmatics. And that's basically like his systematic theology. Like he wrote on pretty much everything in Christianity. Um, and he came up with this, I don't know that he came up with it, but this is just how he thought is he came up with this uh, way of viewing God uh, that came to me called neo-orthodoxy. He, he actually started off as quite liberal and then, and, and, and then really by after World War I and like seeing how evil man is mm. because World War I really changed like how mm -hmm. we viewed humanity. His theology changed quite a bit because he realized like, oh, man cannot be basically good. Mm -hmm. And and so he began to to really uh, his theology began to be defined by what's called dialectic theo theology and essentially the difference that God and man are as completely different as that as they could possibly be. Mm -hmm. And he had this concept of God being wholly other, not H O L Y, but W H O L L Y, like whole other. Mm -hmm. And so just like everything was defined by that. Everything was very Trinitarian. Like, so, um, like his Christology, you couldn't separate his Christology and like how he viewed Christ apart from the Holy spirit and God, the father. And, um, and so it just like, he was super fascinating. I can remember, and Courtney can tell you, like my wife uh, can tell you, like when we were at Liberty, we would go to the library to, to study. And uh, I would eventually just stop working on whatever I was working on for one of my classes. And I would go like find dogmatics or I'd go find his commentary on Romans, or he has a book called Evangelical Theology, which is basically a, <clears throat> a written form of some of the lectures he gave. And I would just read what he had to say. So he was like hugely uh, fundamental for me in like probably the first theologians I theologian I ever uh, like sat down and read mm -hmm. um, and, and kind of like changed how I, I viewed things, which, but like now you, you said, picked up his set in a pretty interesting way, right? So yes. So here's the crazy thing. So church dogmatics is a find and like normally the, you're not going to pay less than $300 for a right. set of church dogmatics. Which is how many books again? I think it's like 14. Okay. Yeah. And they're pretty big. Yeah. So uh, this is a little embarrassing. Not really. I don't care. That's not embarrassing. But no, this is, this is the embarrassing thing. Um, I'm a part of a couple Carl Bart Facebook groups. Oh, yeah, that is embarrassing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I have no shame about it. So he's like, I mean, like you, you had said something like you picked up a book. And put it back down like he and I'm not saying this is why I mean, you're a pretty smart guy. So but he is hard to read like he's hard to track with. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've read plenty of his stuff where I've uh, you've ever read like a couple pages or something and then realize I didn't understand a dang yep. word I just read. <laughs> That's yeah. about half the time. Like there are people who literally oh, it needs your full attention. It needs your full attention. And it, like it's I read it with headphones on. OK, mm. which I read most things with headphones on. But um, you listen so, to white noise, too, which is the devil. I do the white noise. Yeah, I have a mix right now on my white noise app where I'll do a mix um, white noise and ocean waves. Mm. So that's that's my focus mix. But uh, so but back. So back to Bart. So I picked it up. Uh, Courtney actually found it at a book sale at our local college, Gardner Webb. Um, and they were giving it away for free and it was all pieced out. Like, so th like you had to dig through all these stacks of books right. and we actually found the entire set 
And you think you could go like right now and sell that on eBay? I could for probably sell bucks? it for three or four hundred dollars. It's not in the most tremendous shape, mm-hmm. but so I posted it in one of my Carl Bart groups, the picture, and was just like a celebratory post. I found Church Dogmatics for free mm-hmm. at this book sale, and it's the most liked post in the history of that group. That's cool. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised I didn't get any offers for it, but regularly in that group. And then before I ever found that, I always, I thought about buying uh, church dogmatics, but I didn't want to spend hundreds of dollars yeah. on a set of books. That's pretty so, cool. But it's a, so many, many people would say Karl Barth is the most important theologian in the 20th century. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the 1900s, that Karl Barth is the most important theologian. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I agree. I mean, I, the way he, he, he was him and a few other people, so he also was part of what's called the Barman Declaration, which is, uh, is the document ju- that, that uh, him and uh, it's on the tip of your tongue. Um, Bonhoeffer. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. So him and Dietrich Bonhoeffer and a bunch of other German gifts. Let's give some props for Ben. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. So, big brain. Ben. Yeah. Big. Brain. <laughs> so uh, the German underground church during the uh, late 1930s and 40 and early 40s. Uh, taking a stand against Hitler. Mm-hmm. Um, Bart was not, as far as I know, involved in the plot to kill Hitler like Bonhoeffer was, but they both signed what's called the Barman Declaration. So they're pretty bad dudes. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, um, but yeah, so he he's single, not single-handedly, he was largely responsible for the modern-day church in and around World War II returning to orthodoxy, returning to, to um, what we might consider true theology. Mm. And so he's a pretty big deal. So he, he has a seat at the table. My next one completely different is, uh, Johnny cash. Mm-hmm. Come on. Uh, <laughs> now here's why, here's why. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to, so I've, I have, I have Tim Keller, Carl Bart and Johnny cash and I'm, I have three more coming, but here's the deal. This is, and I almost put Bob Dylan. Mm. Um, cause I like Bob Dylan a lot, but I put Johnny cash because I think, uh, Bob Dylan actually wouldn't be the most fun person at a dinner party. He's pretty hard to understand. Um, but <laughs> mumbles a lot. Yeah. Um, you got to have a poet. Dude, Johnny yeah. Cash would be a fun one, man. Johnny Cash would Bet be a fun be. one. Yeah. Post drugs. He was a big, he was big drugs in mm-hmm. the early part of his life. I'd say post drugs. He'd be interesting throughout the entire He'd be interesting throughout the entire thing. Yeah, take him or leave him. Um, but I think you got to have a poet. I think you have a bunch of guys who are super serious. Oh, that's such a good idea. Somebody put a, put a song together from that meeting. Well, not even just that, but just like, have you ever been sitting with somebody? I'm sure we have friends that are this way, but have you ever been sitting somebody like who, you know, like every, like, and we're the three of us, you know, we talk about things somewhat seriously, like even though we joke around a lot, but then you have a fourth person or a fifth person or whatever, you know, you have somebody at the table who it's like, they, they see things differently than Mm -hmm. everybody. Like they think, differently mm-hmm. and, and it's like i was thinking i was like you can't have all these people just sitting there you know talking about the greek in this word or you know all these theological concepts and and not have somebody there to remind everybody that like you know it, the, the theology is really for real life that's a good point you, you know what i mean and so which i mean so we went from carl bark to johnny cash like i said i have a 14 volume set of books from carl bart like he spent most of his adult life like in a room on a typewriter. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like I it was thinking through this and I was like, you know, Johnny Cash or, or Dylan or whoever it might be, but I picked Johnny Cash because he's um, the coolest. I'm a big Willie Nelson fan though too. Yeah, cool. um, so I would have liked Willie Nelson, but uh, <clears throat> you got to make sure got to make sure he's with it. You know yeah. what I mean? You got to so. catch <laughs> Willie on a good day. You got to catch Willie <laughs> on a good day. 
<laughs> but you know, you ha- you need somebody there to, that that thinks lyrically. Okay, you know, and I, I guess that's just probably the way to say that. Um, uh, next, somewhat similar to uh, Timmy K and and Bart is a guy named Alvin Plantinga. Um, Plantinga, I actually discovered Plantinga uh, through through Tim Keller, reading Tim Keller's book Reason for God, and he referenced Plantinga a lot. Plantinga, in my opinion, is probably like the most influential Christian philosopher of the last, I don't know. 50 years, probably more, but I don't know a ton of Christian philosophers. Sure. Uh, I don't well, want to. What did he win? The Temple, uh, Templeton? Once again, Ben. What, big, what was it? Big, big brain, brain Ben. ben. It's it the Tim- Templeton Prize. Is, is yeah, Tim- good job. Okay. You like You've been bucks. scouring YouTube. That's I, what that's, this is. That's, that, this is, this is where you, it's all YouTube coming. University. <laughs> valedictorian is Ben Cole. I promise you. Dude. Yes, he won the Templeton Prize. So, so um, finance, uh, finance director and information guy. Yep, there we the, go. The IT guy. But like not computers, information technology. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so planting a was awarded something called the Templeton Prize, which mm-hmm. is the award to somebody who has made the greatest contribution to philosophy of religion, but I think it's specifically Christian. Okay. I, th- I think the Templeton Prize is Christian. Um, but either way, so so Plantinga did two things that, that I think are worth noting and the reason why. Um, while he's probably not the most exciting person, um, like if you watch his interviews, like he's not, he's not jumping out of the chair. Um, his contributions to the understanding of like, God and in really like evil, um, he he's, he spent a lot of time working on what we would call the problem of evil, and his his free will defense is really like what he he didn't come up with it. Thomas Aquinas probably really came up with it, but Planting is the one who really modernized it, reintroduced it to modern day church. And guys like Frank Turek, guys like Andy Bannister, the apologists that we've had on the show, William Lane Craig. Mm-hmm. Um, who we have not had on this show yet. yet. We're going to try. We're going to keep on. trying. WLC, we're keep, we're keep trying. Um, but I'd say those guys would all tell you that they are indebted to the work of Alvin Plantinga. The second thing that he's done is he really made it to where b- Christians weren't viewed as idiots at the university level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, his contribution there was huge because like, he he has this argument called God and Other Minds. Mm-hmm. Um, which I know you have that book, mm-hmm. um, and it, and I won't go into in depth, but like basically, it was that you know it's it's reasonable to believe in God, like yeah. or or it's just as reasonable as any other belief, and and really like he did it at such a good le- high level that like he taught at Notre Dame for most of his uh, late career, which obviously Notre Dame's Catholic. And Catholics are pretty well known for dealing in some serious philosophy. <laughs> sure, um, but he's 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 worked and dealt with serious academics most of his adult life so so he but he's probably honestly like looking at this this list believe it or not he's probably like the smartest one at, at my table um which i'd be interested to hear who the smartest person at your table but he's probably the smartest which is ridiculous because some of these guys are crazy smart um next after plantinga is john stott anybody who's listened to this show I think I mentioned John Stott today. I was interviewing Andreas Kostenberger and we were talking about John Stott. I think I've talked about John Stott or Tim Keller in almost every single interview oh, I've really? done for this show. One of them always comes up, I promise you. <laughs> um, but John Stott, very famous Anglican pastor and theologian out of England, um, wrote The Cross of Christ, wrote Basic Christianity. Just really fundamental of how I th- impact like how I think. Um, and, uh, and also he was just a phenomenal pastor. Like he... He uh, 
yeah, just phenomenal guy all around. I could go at length about John Stott if I do, though. Uh, we won't be able to listen to y'all's list, but I love John Stott. He needs, I'd say probably as far as theologians go, because um, I, I know Tim Keller is a theologian, um, but like I view Tim Keller much more pastoral than most. Um, but I would say John Stott's probably had the biggest influence on me of any theologian that I've read. And then last is somebody who I'm surprised wasn't on y'all's lists, but uh, Tim Mackey. Tim oh, Mackey. I love so, Mackey. So Tim Mackey. Which we uh, just didn't because we figured, I didn't because I figured at least one of y'all would happen on it. Same. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, yeah, I guess I just was the first one lucky enough to put him down. So Tim Mackey, for those of you who don't know the name, Tim Mackey, you've probably seen his videos. He runs the Bible Project, which is that ministry that makes videos explaining the Bible with cartoons. Um, and him and his buddy John Collins uh, do these videos and have this podcast and all sorts of stuff. But the thing that I love about Tim Mackey, um, other than just like everything he does is, uh, when he talks about Jesus, I really feel like he knows Jesus differently than I know Jesus. Yeah. You guys ever get that feeling when you're listening to him? I love his intros to his sermons. Like he always talks about, like, I think Jesus of Nazareth is an awesome person and worth following with your whole life. And I'm like, that is such an interesting way you don't hear many high well, remember, teachers talk about. Well, I remember watching him just at the end of his sermon just pray, and it just affected the way I prayed. Like, he just was not in a hurry. Yeah. He would think, yeah. and it's yeah. wonderful to be that way. He would mm-hmm. just think through everything he was about to say. Yeah. And yeah, changed it for me dramatically. Yeah. Yeah, and so, um, you know, he, he had this podcast called Exploring My Strange Bible, um, which was basically just like him, like, publishing through, like, I think like five or six years of his preaching recordings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, yeah. And just like listening to that um, really even late in, I mean, it's only been the last few years that I've really dug into his ministry outside of the Bible project, but he's just like how he views the Bible and how he views Jesus um, has really radically changed, um, changed me and changed how I view Jesus. And like, even I'd say even this ministry, like when we talk about think like a Christian, mm-hmm. like I think that's probably been radically informed by the, the teachings of Tim Mackey. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, dude, I love the way he teaches, too, because like one of the cool things about Tim Mackey is lots of times when you look at like the size churches that he pastored at, it seems like it's a very like, hey, sit down, do not talk while pastors teaching, clap when you're supposed to clap. But like he, he has a way of like breaking that barrier and making it very natural in the way that he's mm-hmm. just communicating and like honestly, my teaching style has been you know drastically influenced by Mackie, mm-hmm. where it's just like I want people to feel like there's a conversation being had, mm-hmm. and that I'm just offering up ideas for you to take a hold of in in either application or just in an act of worship, just understand Jesus a little bit more fully. Yeah, and for me, listening to Mackie, so Ma- so Tim Mackie has. Uh, I think it's a PhD in Semitic language languages. So that's like Hebrew, um, Aramaic, um, Ugaritic, like all sorts of languages that were in and around the world of the Bible, the ancient Near East. And with that, he's like an expert on biblical backgrounds and context. But what's funny, though, is when you listen to him teach, and I think I think Tim Keller's the same way, is that like you you're listening to like really, really, really high level teaching and content is like super rich. It's like reading a commentary, Mm -hmm. but he still is like really laid back and he doesn't make you feel like you're in an academic setting. Yeah. It's conversational. Yeah. Which is like the hallmark of like, that's how you know somebody's a really good teacher Mm -hmm. is like when they're able to have you engage with this really high level content 
without making you feel stuffy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And Tim Mackey's the best at that. For mm-hmm. sure. For sure. You know? um, so, yeah. So I think and I did. I, I think I hit everybody. That's my list. And so I don't know what you boys think about those six. Let me ask you a question. Who do you think would end up controlling the conversation at that mm-hmm. table? I think Tim Keller. You think Keller would kind of drive the the convo? I think so. I mean, so I don't think it'd be Mackie. I yeah, I was gonna say no. I don't think it'd be Mackie. I think Mackie, um, you know, I think Mackie would look around and, and kind of just be like, be I think awesome. he, I think he would he'd take be it in, in. As, as much yeah. as I am, mm-hmm. you know. What I mean? Yeah. Um, but I think it's Keller because I think Keller. I think in these types of situations, like I'm interested to hear about y'all's too, because I think every every conversation in the history of conversations has somebody who's like a de facto moderator. Yeah. You know, and I think Keller is enough of like a jack of all trades, theologically, pastorally, even like pop culture. Like if you listen to a Tim Keller sermon, hmm. there's a ton of pop culture in it. So like yeah, I think sure. he would I think he might even be like dibs on the seat next to Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think Keller would maybe not dominate the conversation, but moderate it. Like yeah, I okay. think he'd be the person would, that would be like, "Okay, so what do you, Carl? What do you think about that?" Yeah. You know? that's, that's also, I suppose we should have included um, it, the, the hypothetical is that they all can speak the same the same language. Right. <laughs> Carl, yeah. Bar, Carl Bart spoke German. Yeah, that's funny. So, I didn't even think so about yeah, that. But I would think Tim Keller uh, would at least moderate the conversation, if not dominate it. If not dominate it, but. Um, I'd say the mix in mind that I would be most interested to see um, apart from Johnny Cash and everybody um, is somebody like uh, John Stott um, with a Tim Mackey. Hmm. Like, I think it'd be funny because like, uh, you know, like Tim Mackey, like he's kind of hipster. Yeah. You Just know, a little bit. Kind of. Well, always said, yeah. he, I think I might have told you he reminds me so much of like a theo- like Seth Condry is a theologian. Yes. Well, That's fantastic, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. what do you, what do you mean by that? Just the way their mannerisms and the way they act is very laid back and stuff. That is true. Like they're yeah. super cool. Yeah, well, yeah. that too. Super cool. <laughs> well, super well cool. Seth says things that are like really profound, but he offers them as like, you ever thought about this? And, and I'm like, yeah. And, yeah. And, then, yeah, and, and then he walks he, off. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you ever just feel like God's giving you a hug? And I'd be like, no, but I do now. Like, yeah. So Seth, um, for those of you listening, Seth is actually a past guest of the show. Phenomenal worship pastor worship leader, musician, all these other things. But he's a friend of ours, um, which is weird to say. That's so um, weird. Friend, really, of ours through our church. And um, Seth, I remember Seth leading worship at Element. And, like, I think there were, like, five more. You were, I think, playing that day. But, like, I think he had, like, five more songs to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he was just, like, he kind of looked around after one of the songs. He was like, you know what? Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. <laughs> that's, ex- that's such a good person. Yeah, and like, yeah. that was it, you uh, know? And so with Mackie, the reason why I, I kind of, I like the Mackie-Seth comparison is like, I don't, uh, like Mackie just seems kind of like he, he would look around and be like, you know what? I think I think Jesus is doing what he wants to do here. You know, yeah. like. I think I'm just going to let y'all talk. Yeah, something it. like that, you know? So I, I'd like to see him. And a John Stott or like him. Because mm. I think I think like with a Tim Mackey, like if he's next to Alvin planting it, like I think he would do what I would do, which is be like, what do you think about this? <laughs> like, what do you think about freedom? You know, and I think he would just <laughs> ask like these super in-depth questions. And then, you know, like somebody like planting a, which is like funny story about planting up. 
I tried desperately hard to get him on the show. Josh, I, you both know this, but you were with me when I was emailing oh, yeah. him. And I literally <laughs> asked him like two or three times, and he said no every time. <laughs> <laughs> so far. He said no so, so far. far. But And it wasn't like a rude no. I've never, mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever gotten a rude no. But, um, but he's just, man, he's like, he's at the end of his career. Like, he's not teaching anymore. He's not writing anymore. How old is planting? Is he like he's in his 90s? Got, I was going to say, if he's not in his 90s, he's in his mid to late 80s, I bet. But he's doing really well for, not, yeah, for his do, 90s. He's, he's, yeah, he's doing fine. Probably better than me. Um, but yeah, so I think, I mean, he's, he's a deep well of knowledge and theology and philosophy. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's my six. I think it'd be a great time. Um, I don't think mine's going to get rowdy or anything. And I think Johnny Cash is just there just to keep everything light, even though he's not the lightest guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think he'd, I think he'd be a reminder to everybody to be like, don't get too heady. Yeah. Like keep it near the earth. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's really good. So, um, Ben, I want to hear yours because yeah. yours is fascinating for multitudes of reasons. Yeah. So let's, let's hit the Ben Cole, uh, big, ben, big brain Ben list. Sure. So I'm going to run through all six of mine and then I'll kind of go in depth about yeah. each one. Yeah. So my six would be David Bentley Hart, Richard B. Hayes, Bishop Robert Barron, Stanley Hirawas, C.S. Lewis, and then Dale B. Martin. And so for you listeners, you only knew one of those names. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, dude, I bet they knew... Bishop, Bishop Barron, dude, he's got he's a big getting following. really popular. Yeah. He's got a big following. Did dude. you ever hear about Bishop Barron before Ben's list? No, uh, no. When I, when I saw Ben's list, I was super excited because I'm like, I'm going to learn about five people today. <laughs> <laughs> Bishop Barron was just on o- Unbelievable a few weeks ago. Was he? I yeah. did not know that. Okay. He's on Briarly Show. He's got. He has. I mean, I, I'd have to look, but it's probably he's probably got like close to easily over a hundred thousand followers on YouTube. Wow, that's cool. I, I mean, we can actually start with him. Uh, I stumbled upon him a few years ago, of course, on YouTube, which is how I think I discovered the majority of the people on my list. Mm-hmm. And he is so interesting just because he'll make short videos talking about different theological topics or he'll make short videos talking about just pop culture themes like different movies mm-hmm. or like, I guess, movements that are going on in the world, this and that. And mm-hmm. he just has such a fascinating insight on so diff- so many different topics. Mm-hmm. Like as far as the, like as far as from, original sin to the hookup culture mm-hmm. it is yeah i mean he just endless things is knowledge to supply yeah and he's gotten like we said he's gotten really popular like, oh yeah he has a following even outside of catholicism which he oh yeah he is a catholic yeah yeah mm-hmm. yep. um and uh but yeah he was he was on justin barley's show i can't remember what the topic he was, was. on the uh i mean uh the uh he's been on the rubin report quite a yeah. few times with dave which rubin stuff atheist yeah uh, mm-hmm and then the next one we can go over would be David Bentley Hart mm-hmm. is on my list. I, I cannot remember how I discovered uh, David Hart. I yeah. think it might have been through, I want to see either as Tim Mackey was quoting him or right. Tim Keller was quoting him. But he is someone who just opened me up to the world of patristics and just studying about the old, like looking into like the church, how it was mm-hmm. in the beginning, the church fathers, their thoughts about different theological topics. And has really shaped me that way and has such a fascinating insight into that things such as just being and consciousness mm-hmm. where he's one of those he's one of those like kind of like uh bart to where you have to like you literally have to watch some one of his videos five times to even like yeah. try to grasp yeah but he's getting that he's a high level guy uh, he might out of my list he might be the smartest he might have the highest iq wow. yeah i, I would, would think I, so. I mean you have a pretty smart list um but yeah he's up there for sure so the next person on my list would be Richard B. Hayes. He was a professor, a New Testament 
professor at Duke University for years. Duke Divinity. Duke Divinity. With Chapel Hill fans yeah. down here. Duke, Duke Divinity. I actually discovered him as a mixture. Him, him and N.T. Wright are very good friends. Mm-hmm. And that's how yeah. they have done, like, I guess, interviews together. Yeah. And that's how I kind of, kind of stumbled upon him. But Mackey, on Mackey's personal website, he has a list of authors yeah. and books that he recommends. Yeah. His, The Moral Vision of the New Testament, is on that list. And for right. some reason, I decided to get that one and read it. And it has yeah. it is literally easily the most influential book I've ever read. So I mentioned this to you while we were at dinner. Um, so I interviewed uh, Andreas Kostenberger today. Mm-hmm. That, that episode is going to be the one after this one, actually, uh, talking about the final days of Jesus. He mentioned Richard Hayes, which mm-hmm. I thought was hilarious because I had just read your list um, and saw that we were going to be talking about Richard Hayes. And... Kostenberger even recommended Hayes because we were talking about how Christians don't have a Christians are not extremely. I shouldn't say this. Hold on. Let me edit that statement. Many American Christians today Mm -hmm. are not very biblically literate. Mm -hmm. And Richard Hayes is all about biblicism. Like he's a biblical expert. And um, Kostenberger recommended his book. um, how the how how scripture shaped the gospels or something mm-hmm. like that. I can't remember. It's probably not exactly correct. I'll I'll link to all the books that we're mentioning. There's probably gonna be the show notes for this episode yeah. are gonna be really long. But um but yeah I'll I'll link to it there. Um but yeah I've heard a lot about Richard Hayes. Like yeah. I I'd put him right up there with a lot of other guys as far as like hi, the highest of highest biblical experts. Oh he is wonderful. Yeah. He is wonderful. Yeah. So um we'll come back because I, I I have some thoughts about guys like Richard Hayes and DBH interacting with with bishop baron but who so let's who else you got so the next one on the list would be dale b martin he mm-hmm. was a professor he I wrote bl- game of thrones that's not him different guy different guy teaches new testament i knew i knew that guy from somewhere but he was a professor for years and years at yale um i guess he would have been in, in the uh, divinity school yeah but he's one. If you go on YouTube, Yale has I get they call it the Yale Great Courses, and basically mm-hmm. you can have you can watch every single one of his lectures about his intro to New Testament on there, and he That's just basically cool. goes through. And I I believe if I'm not mistaken, I have watched every single one of them. Really? How many is that? Oh gosh, like 26, I think. Like oh, okay. maybe. Jeez. Oh, there, but he maybe you should be executive director. Of this I show. doubt that. I doubt that. Man, you got Big better speaking brain. chops than I do. <laughs> <laughs> We can work on that, but goodness gracious. But he is just... He probably works with Miroslav Wolf, because Miroslav's at Yale, too. Miroslav is at Yale. I never even thought about that one, but he is at Yale. Hmm. I don't know. I can't remember if I ever remember him mentioning that. I not put Miroslav Wolf on my list? I know him and Ehrman know each other well. I know that, but I don't know about... I don't know about uh, I'm sure he's Wolf. with Miroslav, yeah. But he's someone... He's interesting, because he's definitely one of your... If you listen to him, like what his about his personal beliefs, you're more than likely not going to agree with most things that he says. He would yeah. consider himself a postmodern Christian, mm. more progressive, liberal on right. the side of theology. Yeah. Right. But he has he makes you think mm-hmm. as far as some of the issues and everything he brings up, and he's yeah. very good about taking each book of the New Testament, comparing them, showing certain mm-hmm. contrasts and I guess uh, tension points yeah. in each yeah. book. Mm-hmm. And kind of like how you work through those and stuff like that. So uh, we'll come back and hit it once the once you go through the entire list. But I would say, I mean, it's funny that you bring that up with Dale Martin mm-hmm. um, because, like, I think uh, Mike Bird mentioned him in one of your interviews. Did he? 
Really? I thought so. I Blackboard could be wrong though. a bunch of people. I can't he, remember all of them. Didn't he mention? Didn't you say he mentioned something about someone almost evangelizing Bart Ehrman to more progressive? Or it could have been Martin or maybe David Bentley Hart. I don't remember. I think it would have been Martin. Yeah. I think. Well, what I was going to say though is interesting because and we'll come back once once you do the the next two because. Obviously, you have the most eclectic mix out of out of. Spoiler alert: mm-hmm. uh, uh, Josh's list is 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 fantastic, but you have like a mix of a mix here. But it's interesting that you said Martin's going to be controversial because DBH is controversial too. David I would Manley Hart is controversial. I would say his eschatology is the most controversial. Yeah, it's, it's how he comes about salvation. I would say over that he's pretty orthodox. I mean, yeah, he is Eastern yeah. Orthodox. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> orthodox in two senses yeah. of the words. All right, so what's the final two? So the final two, the, ne- the next one up would be Stanley Hirewas. He was another professor at Duke University. What are we doing with you do? all these Dukies? Dude, they grow them good. They grow them good over there. <laughs> Out in Durham. Dude, they do. Sta- so we're, uh, for listeners who don't know, we are in North Carolina. And the two of you grew up in North Carolina. I did mm-hmm. not, but I'm a transplant. Have a Carolina Tar Heels sweatshirt on right now. We just saw at dinner Carolina lose in the first round of the tournament for the very, very first time. Lose is not the correct word for what just happened to us. Yeah. So it's, yeah, exactly. Lost by almost 20 points to Wisconsin. And here you are with three Duke professors. I know. Yeah. Or two. Carolina's uh, blood is not even. Taught at Duke at one point. And 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 so did Dale Martin. And Richard Hayes, I think. Oh, no, Richard Hayes did for the majority of his yeah. career. Yeah, so we got three Duke... Or four people. Might as well put Shane Battier. Might as well. <laughs> Have you no shame, Ben? <laughs> so Stanley Hauerwas, let's do it. Stanley Hauerwas, he is the first person that I never thought about the idea of Christian pacifism. Uh, path- pacifism. So, yeah. yeah. Until I came across him. Not fighting. Not fighting. No violence. He is someone, he makes you consider... The impact of violence on the world. He makes you consider the impact of capitalism, of Mm. nationalism, Mm -hmm. imperialism. He, I have never had someone that has just exposed so many different thoughts to me that I've never been thinking about before. Yeah, Miroslav's the same way. Miroslav's the same way. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because Miroslav Volf grew up in the former Yugoslav Republic in a war-torn country, and. I only bring him up just to accentuate what you're yeah. talking about with Hauerwas because I remember listening to him talk about nonviolence mm-hmm. and um, he has this book called Exclusion and Embrace where he talks about like how Christians need to be more welcoming mm-hmm. and like how we have essentially left behind the command to love your enemies. Um, and so it sounds like Hauerwas kind of goes about things similar. He really does. He re- and he's great on marriage, the sacrifice of marriage and the hardships, but that can is come that why, with that. Is that why you're not married yet? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> George's like, I'm going to kill that guy. <laughs> He's really good to point out how difficult it is. Yeah. Well, it's not easy. I it's mean, not it's, easy. It's good. It's, it's not easy. But he is he is a very interesting guy. If, you, if y'all ever get a chance to watch one of his lectures or anything, he is fun to watch. He's we'll the first theologian I've ever seen. Well, we'll cuss on stage. Oh, well, then we're definitely watching <laughs> it. For, for listeners of the show, we are... We are pretty like as uh as tim Mackey would say uh card carrying bible nerds yeah that we uh sometimes Probably we not just, quite as much as no no no, no not as much as tim Mackey, but like we'll sit around and watch a good debate between an atheist and yeah a Christian i mean the only time. reason i knew about andy banister is because we sat around and watched him debate peter singer you know for fun like i think there were probably sports on and we watched that instead for unbelievable yeah 
So, um, okay, so Stanley Hauerwas bringing the nonviolence in, and then your last one's a pretty big fish. Would be C.S. Lewis. Clive Staples. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, now this is a stupid question. Why is C.S. Lewis at the table? I have probably read him. He's the Christian author I've read the most of. I think I've read, at this point, it's close to seven or eight of his uh, theological books. Yeah. I had, and Lewis is someone I never gave two thoughts about until I started listening to Keller, and Keller always quotes C.S. Keller Lewis. Quotes C.S. Lewis. And then the I was time. like, and then I remember I picked up it was the first book I read by Lewis was uh, Mere Christianity. Yeah. And then just after that, you're just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. The brain on this guy, yeah. his insights, it's amazing. Yeah. So true. He saw the he saw the world I think differently than most people. Now, what's interesting though, like so we talk about you mentioned Orthodox, like with with D- David Bentley Hart. Mm-hmm. Or a DBH, as I call him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know him. We're not friends or anything. I just call him DBH. <laughs> like saying all three of his names. But um, you said he's the most orthodox. Obviously, I would say C.S. Lewis is the most orthodox. Wouldn't you agree? Out of, uh, out of my list? Yeah. Uh. I don't know. I mean, here's why I say that. I think if you polled most American Christians, mm-hmm. Western Christians, mm-hmm. I think the things that they know about C.S. Lewis, because I think... A lot of people don't know some things about like C.S. Lewis would probably be classified as an inclusivist, Mm -hmm. meaning like he thought that there might be other ways to heaven other than Jesus. Mm -hmm. He wasn't he didn't say what those ways were. But I don't think most people think about that. Like, I don't think most people know that. I think most people at a popular level, like their theology, whether they realize that it was shaped by C.S. Lewis in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So I think sometimes when Western Christians say, oh, that person has orthodox faith or theology mm-hmm. i think in some ways it's almost like them saying like they agree with people like c.s lewis so that's the only reason i say that he's the most orthodox because mm-hmm. i also know things about c.s lewis that i'm like yeah he's probably not the most orthodox but you said you said dbh is and when you say orthodox we're just going to go ahead and insert conservative for our listeners too I because w- i think most of our listeners probably lean somewhat conservative theologically let me say this so when i say orthodox from my list i mean that they agree with all the statements on the nicene creed or okay. like the Apostles' Creed. Yes. Okay. That's so what, when believe, I say Orthodox. Yeah, so, yeah, okay, there you go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so they would believe in the virgin birth, a sinless life, uh, subs, uh, penal substitutionary atonement, resurrection, Holy Trinitarian. Spirit. Yes, yep. exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. yeah, yeah. So, okay, so here, let's do this. Because here's the interesting thing. So, from my estimation, David Bentley Hart, I don't, I'm sure you know this, has written quite a bit about like universalism, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's why you said like, his eschatology, his soteriology, so his his theologies of the end times and his theologies of salvation are different than mine. Mm-hmm. I don't know about y'all's, um, but different than mine. I'm sure Richard Hayes is probably fairly orthodox, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bishop Barron. Okay, so we have an interesting thing. So let's pretend at your table, like a conversation about, um, like, salvation comes up, right? Or like... You know, that like, who do you think, like Josh said with mine, like, who do you think is going to dominate that conversation? Or like, who do you think is going to be the one that speaks the loudest on that issue? Mine is going to be a big shouting match between For David sure. David yeah. Bentley Hart, Stanley Hauerwas, C.S. Lewis, and Delby Martin. I think it, C.S. It Lewis is, is just going to sit back and smoke a pipe the entire time. Hey, he's going to be, I, dude, I don't know. I get from reading Lewis, he had an ego to him. I, I, teeth. yeah, yeah, I could see, I could see him and David Bentley Hart budding some heads. For sure. And it'd be interesting. Yeah. It would be a good Mine watch. will go in on that a little bit, too. 
What's that? Mine will go in on that a little yeah. bit as far as like C.S. Lewis's personality and that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Um, I see them for the most part getting along. I could see David Bentley Hart and Delby Martin getting in a battle about epistemology. And yeah, no, so the, and, yeah, the yeah. study of knowledge yeah. and the understanding of knowledge. Yeah. Well, I think Bishop Barron is a very gregarious person. Like, I think he has a very big personality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be the life of that party, him and C.S. Lewis. I yeah. think that those two are going to, they're probably going to drink. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. if you serve alcohol at that dinner. Um, and I think, if anything, you're going to turn into a referee at that yeah. at that dinner table. Is that what you were kind of going for? It's just like I want to see some people get lit up I don't know, but it's just <laughs> I mean these are just, you know, six people that I would just fascinate me. Just would love Imagine to Imagine inter- just being a fly on the wall. That is such your personality. I love I that. I just, you know, it's just people that you just listen you spend hours listening to and you just wish you could ask them more questions, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're listening to Yale lectures? Yeah, yeah, some at of them. night. Mm-hmm. You're like yeah. what laying in bed or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Pretty impressive. Russian okay. teeth, flossing, nerd, <laughs> eating a sandwich. I don't wow. know. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah, you got that on me. Um, that's impressive. So, okay. So, so then this before before we go to Josh, who who on that list has most shaped the way you think? Oh gosh, it is a toss up between C.S. Lewis and Richard. Uh, gosh, I don't know. Probably D.B.H. too, right? To a certain extent, not as much though as like. C.S. Lewis, Hauerwas, Hayes. So Hauerwas would be on the nonviolent side. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, so then really I mean, makes you rethink war. Yeah. Yeah. That's been my thing with with Wolf too. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's not that I. It's. I mean, and, and maybe we'll need to have a. I've tried to get Miroslav Wolf on this show plenty of times. How many times you try now? Two or three. We've, hey, we've it's gone, not too late. We've, not gone, too late. we've gone back and forth about three times. He's a super nice guy. Yeah. Uh, he seems like yeah, he seems like he would be. Yeah, he he's, he really, really is. Yeah, he's had a couple creative responses to me, but we're going <laughs> to keep trying. But, um, <laughs> so, uh, no, but we'll need to have a, because that's one that, like you, you know, not violence, nonviolence, and war, just war, turn the other cheek, live by the sword, die by the sword. That's yeah. been a difficult one for me. As I as I engage with these theologians who think differently than me, well, even Hauerwas is big on like comparing the uh, from a philosophy standpoint, utilitarianism and uh, the onto- uh, ontological, the on- yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. As far as those and like some of the negative sides that you can have with a utilitarian philosophy yeah, towards certain sure. issues, mm. yeah. Well, and that's yeah, that's interesting because like we would we would certainly denounce utilitarianism in the sense of like. The aforementioned Peter Singer, um, who has some pretty crazy thoughts. If you're interested in Peter Singer, go watch his debate with Andy Bannister on Justin Brierley's Unbelievable. But um, but we are sometimes utilitarian in in our thinking, yeah. like mm-hmm. especially in regards to war. Yeah. If it, if it serves us best to go to war, then we automatically assume it is just. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't we don't have the time to dive into that topic on this episode. We're gonna blow up Josh's list, but. I will say this, and the reason why I was excited to see Stanley Hauerwas on your list was, like, yeah, Miroslav had the same type of impact on me. I'm not sure exactly where I stand on it, but it, it, growing up in America in a conservative Christian evangelical circle, you don't ever really think about no, violence and war. You don't. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that was definitely. So, so yeah, so we're looking at Hauerwas, Lewis, and uh, possibly Hayes as the mm-hmm. ones that have shaped our 
our dear Ben Cole the most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I like it. Well, I appreciate those guys being that influence on you then. I'll have to make sure I thank them one day. <laughs> Dude, I got, yeah. some, I got some listening to do after listening to Ben's list, man. He, He's got a heavy they're list. They're good. They're He's good. got a heavy list. And Turn we should say that we people. actually had to um, – I feel bad that we don't have any women on these lists. Spoiler alert once again, Josh doesn't one. have any women, but there was one. Sarah Coakley yes. was on your list. You decided to put C.S. Lewis instead of Sarah Coakley. It just ma- I mean, for me, it just makes more sense just right. because. Yeah. Are we con- con- contractually obligated to, to mention Felicia at this point? <laughs> <Is> Felicia <laughs> Mason on this list? <laughs> yeah. Um, Felicia Mason probably should be on all of our lists. She's uh, been a big help to ATAP here in the last <laughs> few weeks, helping helping us gain more followers. So yeah, so we'll just put her as an honorable mention for all three lists. There we are. Yeah, she has a place at the table, that's for sure. So, yeah. all right, Joshua, uh, what are we looking at here with your six? All right, so uh, I have revised this list a couple of times. You would yeah. you would think I totally missed the purpose. Um, when I was making my list, I was thinking like, who would I be most entertained to have at the table, and uh, and who would I really enjoy listening to. Um, so I'm going to start out with who would get my vote for the Protestant Pope, which is Francis Chan. <laughs> I mean, I mean, who who you challenging me with, really? John Piper. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you just, or Tim uh, Keller. That's strong. Tim Keller. Yeah, he's a go- I'm Francis Chan still getting. My I think vote. John, I think John Piper's earned it the most. I also I think, think you're wrong. Be, I think before Eugene Peterson passed away, he could have had a, a run at that too. Sure, but I think John Piper's earned it. Not as many people like him. That'd make a great poll this week, by the way. Uh, that would be a fun. He point. does have some hate, doesn't he? Especially uh, in the last few years. Yeah. But yeah. you ever met anybody that doesn't like Francis Chan? I'll show you Satan. a jerk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for anybody sure. Anybody who doesn't like Christianity. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's in the running. For I don't even think you have to be a Christian like if, Francis if, Chan. Oh, here's one. Here's here's the reality, and it has nothing to do with their names. If Francis Chan, Francis Chan is to the Protestant papacy as Pope Francis was to the Roman Catholic papacy. Hmm. Like a game changer. Yeah. Okay. We've gone completely off the rails here. We are not in favor of, of, of popes and papacies. Just a fun conversation that we have all the time. So Francis oh, yeah. Chan, yeah, yeah, continue yeah. on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Francis Chan's my first one. Uh, do you want me to run all the way through and sure. go back? Okay. All right. Yeah. So starting with Francis Chan, second is probably my favorite apologist, the late Nabil Qureshi. Mm-hmm. Um, following him, I this is a double. Like I don't even necessarily like want these guys separated but together man it'd make for fire mm-hmm. convo c.s lewis and J.R.R. tolkien bring back the inklings dude yeah. Yeah. are you a lord of the rings guy i wouldn't say i'm a guy but i'm definitely familiar okay like books and and the movies yeah. which probably one of the best adaptations like nobody really gets upset about those funny movies? Enough. yeah, yeah nobody, nobody really gets upset about the movies um the next one is Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians and, uh, of the Galaxy. Andy and my only vote to replace Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. And last, the guy who, if he keeps his if he keeps his cards going right, I mean, maybe, maybe Protestant Pope after, <laughs> after I'm joking completely. So no biblical training. <laughs> uh, Tim Tebow. Okay. So I'd, I'd love to have Tim Tebow. Like, that would be, that'd be a fun convo. I guarantee you in yours, okay, so let's think about this, right? So you have Francis Chan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have a, a C.S. Lewis. I still think Tim Tebow says grace before the meal. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, 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 yeah, yeah. I think even Francis is like, you know what, Tim? Why don't you pray? For so me? I got I got, I got, got Tim there for a couple of reasons, okay? okay. So Tim Tebow, if you, for you guys that don't know, he was a, uh, well, I'm just saying. <laughs> he's uh, he's athlete, uh, mm-hmm. super Christian. Um, actually had like more people Google John 316 during a, uh, during a yeah, the Florida Gator game. 
that uh i mean i don't know just just a really cool guy seems to just be sold out for the lord and especially in like areas where guys are not necessarily known for being lovers of jesus and uh, recently was a minor league baseball player absolutely yeah yep. yeah mm-hmm. played for the played for the mets organization mm-hmm. uh played for my denver broncos yeah and uh and uh, hey want a playoff game for us and uh bounced around the nfl a little bit but um he's really well known for just all of his uh like charitable efforts and mm-hmm. just being a really good uh, influencer on social yeah. media. Um, but so Tim Tebow's there for a couple reasons. One, he breaks up any fights that start, any any conflicts, anything Who's going on. Fight at your table. C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Okay, okay. <laughs> like for sure. Yeah. Um, and he's also going to be the guy that if anybody gets left out of conversation, like Francis and the Bills start up, C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien are drinking, they're getting going, and Chris Pratt's left out. Tim Tebow's the guy who's not going to let him get left out of conversation. He's pulling him back in. He's like, "Come here, uh-huh. Star Lord," and he yeah. he continues that convo. And also, he seems like the nicest person on the planet. Like I'd say Chris Pratt's right there too. Yeah, he seems like a super nice dude too. And like I am thinking I am also at this dinner. So I know mm-hmm. Tim Tebow's gonna be like, Hey Josh, what's going on? He's actually gonna care to talk to me. <laughs> While the rest of these guys are picking <laughs> each other's brain. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. That's why Tim Tebow's there because I just mm-hmm. think he's awesome and I'd really like to pick his mind and be like, Hey man, what is it like being sold out for Jesus and being a pop culture icon as well as like in in uh, sports and yeah. all these other avenues? Uh Chris Pratt, similar idea. Uh, he seems to be a very outspoken Christian uh, yeah. in his faith in in Hollywood, which has to be one of the hardest places to be a Christian as far as like, not for the persecution of it necessarily, but just the idea of uh, very easily falling into temptations. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of want to pick his brain mm-hmm. and be like, hey, man, what's that like? Yeah. You know, give me give me some insight into that. Uh then I'll talk about Nabil really quick. So the one apologist on my list, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, I mean, you can make you can make you can make an argument for C.S. Lewis, but uh, so Nabil Qureshi uh, came from. So he's he's a double doctor, was medical yeah. and um, and a theologian, and so he uh, he was an ex Muslim. Yeah. So for that's like a big part of his testimony is the idea of uh, just truly being sold out. For for Islam, mm-hmm. and his uh, and, and the way that he slowly became a Christian through the friendship he had with a Christian, and uh, it's just a really cool story of how evangelism can happen in like a Tim Mackey would say a slow burn mm-hmm. type of environment, and then uh, I honestly believe he died a few years ago mm-hmm. uh, from cancer. If he had not passed away, I guarantee you he'd be one of the he'd be one of the guys we're talking about as like an all time great theologian yeah. in, in a very short amount of time. What was he in his mid-30s when he died? Yeah, I think it was like early yeah. 40s or late 30s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he had a, a young wife and I think a small child yeah. mm-hmm. that he left behind. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, in the short amount of time that he was, was here and was was working as an apologist, had a had a great influence, um, wrote a book called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, which yeah. I typically recommend to anybody who's interested in studying Islam or, you know, engaging Muslims with the gospel. I think his first book was uh, was One God, Allah, and Jesus. Something like that. Yeah. But just like, I don't know, he's just done a tremendous job mm-hmm. in that, even even now. Like his yeah. legacy carries on. Um, Francis Chan really needs no introduction. But sure. but you know he's he was a pastor at Cornerstone Community Church, mm-hmm. um, left pastoring there, became full time missionary, yeah. um, and he's just like 
I don't know. He's the ultimate guy for talking about church. Like, so I read recently he was in Hong Kong, and then Hong Kong wouldn't renew his visa, right, for religious reasons, obviously, obviously, um, because he's Francis Chan, yeah. and so uh, I don't know what he's doing now, but he's under the radar wherever he's at, I'm sure, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, you'd have to have plenty of room because Francis talks with his hands for sure. He does. Oh, for sure. You know, he'd be knocking he, over a couple glasses. He'd be moving around. He'd yeah. be moving around. And uh, so I just think Francis would be super fun. Like, he's just mm-hmm. the energy. Oh, you know, sure. he, he's he's bringing the energy to that party. Who do you think is moderating discussion? Who do you think is kind of the life of the party in that group? Oh, it's definitely Francis, I think. I think so, too. You think so? I definitely think so. Yeah, definitely Francis. Okay. Like, I think I think Pratt might feel a little bit out of his, uh, out of his territory yeah. with those dudes. But, like... I honestly feel like Tim Tebow is the dude that kind of moderates and kind of keeps it moving. This is what I think, though. I think Francis Chan, sitting at that table, like looks at a Tim Tebow or a Chris Pratt who obviously intellectually, um, you know, I'm sure they're both intelligent guys, but not compared to Tolkien, Lewis, Chan, and Qureshi. Sure. But, like, I think Chan is the guy who sits there and is like, well, what do you what do you think about that, Chris? Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, for Nabil, sure. Nabil talks about you know monotheism and this and this and this, and and Francis is like so generous, and he's just like, well, Chris, what what do you feel when you? Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. think he'd be the kind of guy that's like bringing everybody. He know, would literally be the Bible study leader. You know, <laughs> he's leading that small group for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And dude, and here's the funniest thing, man. I want to see J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Because you know they're just gonna bash each other. Well, bash each other. But okay, so here's the funny thing. So, um, I'm probably gonna mess this up, but it, we, the three of us have a friend, Caleb Blanton, probably listening to this podcast. I know he listens to it. Texts me about uh, every other day with with guest ideas. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and I I've, I think we've gotten a few of them before. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, but so he told me one time. And I think it was, I know it had something to do with the Inklings. Mm-hmm. So it could have been like, uh, I think G.K. Chesterton was in there too and, and some others. But um, but I think, I, I think it was Tolkien and Lewis is that one of them wrote, because they had had a third friend pass away. And one of them wrote that, th- that the thing about grief was that they weren't just sad because they were going to miss their friend. They said they were sad because, and, I, and I'm sort of like reinventing the story here, but it's true nonetheless, is that like Tolkien was saying he was sad because he was never going to get to see Lewis laugh at that friend's stories ever yeah. again. Mm. And so it was like, it wasn't just that the friend passed away. It was that he, like that something in Lewis and something in everybody in their friend group now was gone yeah. because of it. And so even though, yeah, they probably would bash each other because they're friends. Like I've always heard stories of that group and they would meet at this bar. I think it's called the white heart. I think yeah. um, in London. And you know, of course these are some of the most prolific and influential writers of modern times. But like, I've always heard that they did have a, an intimate friendship. Um, and that like they would often read each other's writings and like Tolkien actually I've heard did not like the Chronicles of Narnia. He thought it was too like silly. Yeah. So too it's allegorical. It, yeah. It, it's super funny. Uh, I actually have a, a quote pulled up right now, which is literally J.R. Tolkien talking about how he hates allegory. Mm-hmm. And then there's a another quote from C.S. Lewis talking about why is all your books allegory? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, how, how can you? And it's because they you can see how they influenced each other. 
and you can see how like their friendship was like actually real. Mm-hmm. Like like after C.S. Lewis died, Tolkien was even saying he's like, I really don't think he liked The Hobbit very much, but he wouldn't tell me. Right. And it was just like like they had this real thriving friendship, and they fed off of each other so completely. Like Lewis was an extremely fast writer. Like he mm-hmm. wrote just book after book after book. Like he did. I think Narnia he published like the seven volumes in like seven years. Wow. Which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings his whole life. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and it was just like... Uh, created a, a world. He literally yeah. created a world. And, and like language, actually. Yeah, actually. And uh, and it's so funny because C.S. Lewis would say, like... Uh, so Tolkien would always say, you know, C.S. Lewis, he's extremely malleable in his thoughts. Like, mm-hmm. he'll hear an idea and be like, oh, I wouldn't mind using that. And he would change his writing based on someone else's idea. At the same time... C.S. Lewis would say Tolkien would hear a bad review about a single character flaw. He would totally rewrite the story to mm. fix the character flaw. Mm-hmm. So it's like they they were both more similar than they would ever think, but yeah. in different ways, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And I just think it'd be really, really cool to see those two guys at the table talking. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I can see in my mind. Francis Chan asking Tolkien something, and C.S. Lewis coming over to top and be like, "Yeah, well, there's yeah. one time." Yeah, and then yeah. I can just see that Getting it'd rowdy be, a little bit. It would be such a fun conversation. Well, apparently, uh, Tolkien was not a big fan when he found out Lewis converted to uh, Anglicanism instead of Catholicism. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, well, Tolkien was a. I think Tolkien was a pretty hard dude. Like I, 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 I mean, obviously believer, but um, I just get the feeling from even reading Lord of the Rings, I'm like. He seems like a serious guy. Yeah, probably. For sure. You know, like you can't write all those books. And you can't be whimsical and, yeah. and come Like up with, Narnia yeah. is whimsical. Like yes. I read Narnia yes. to Savannah. You know what I mean? They like, do audiobooks of Narnia for children. Like, Well, they are for children. <laughs> well, you know true, I mean? but. Yeah, true. Um, once again, I told Kostenberger today, I think uh, C.S. Lewis is in uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe when Aslan is killed, which is obviously Aslan is representative of God. Um, I think that's like. One of like that's I think that's like the best non-biblical explanation of the gospel mm-hmm. ever presented. Well, here's the other thing: is at the same time that Tolkien's like, oh man, C.S. Lewis, he's way too, he's way too uh, like pointed in the allegory that mm-hmm. he's using to describe these things. He literally has his main character be born in like a very. Uh, it's a little bit of a nerd moment, okay? But he has his main character be born in this very extravagant type way, uh, a very Christ-like birth, if you mm-hmm. will, handed off to someone else for his caretaking, then disappears for 30 years, and then reappears and becomes the savior of the world. And, yeah. like, I think C.S. Lewis just kind of sit there and be like, but I'm well, milking bro, it? Yeah, Are you yeah, killing yeah. it? Like, come on, man. Yeah. No, I and I think, I think your list is phenomenal. I'd love to see Francis Chan interact with anybody, let alone... Uh, C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, Qureshi, and then Star Lord, and um, you know Tim Tebow, and American Jesus. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, Tim Tebow. Goodness gracious. Well, here's the other thing about that is like you know Francis Chan is going to challenge everyone at that table, but they're also going to leave extremely encouraged. Well, so that's actually how I wanted to end this. So I want, but before we finish up, I want to look at your list and just ask yourself this question: How am I going to feel? After this dinner, like, what am I going to walk away from this dinner with? Like, if it goes the way I, I would think it would go, um, how, how am I going to walk away? How, how am I going to feel? So I'll, I'll go first. So I'm looking at, you know, quite a few guys that will all five. I mean, 
I've always loved Johnny Cash's music, but I wouldn't say I was shaped by him at all. But I picked five guys that like have dramatically shaped how I think, how I view the world, how I think about Jesus, how I read the Bible. So I think I'm going to look at that and I'm, 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 I'll tell you who I'm sitting next to. I'm sitting next to Timmy K. Hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and I'm, I'm hoping of course I would feel like filled up, you know, and, and really, uh, have similar experience that I've even had on this show, which is like, hopefully not disappointed in anybody's character. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but like I would look, I would walk away and, and say like, I, I would have a list of questions for John Stott, for Bart, for, for Keller, for Plantinga. Um, I'd want to, I'd want to probably spend some time with Johnny Cash and just, you know, the, the grittiness of his life and his character and like how he believed. I mean, I think most people know like Johnny Cash was a believer. So he believed in the same faith as Plantinga and Stott, but his life looks so different, you know? Mm, And so I would enjoy the, the realness of that. But I would want to, I think I would walk away from that table feeling like filled up, feeling like, man, I, not, I learned a bunch, but I was also in, encouraged. <laughs> um, what, do you, what do you guys think about your own, your own dinner? Well, well, let me ask you this. Do you think Keller would butt heads with anybody with him being a Calvinist? And like, I mean, I'm, Bart, well, was, Bart wasn't a Calvinist, correct? Uh, yeah, Bart was. He's double predestination. Was he? Mm-hmm. Okay, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, but he wasn't like, it wasn't like a... Like a vi- like a violent, um, it wasn't like uh, it can be a good word to describe heart, it sometimes. It can be some kind of violent. Right? <laughs> Jeez, um, he wasn't. It wasn't what defined him. I should say that. Like, okay, um, that's a good one. But I'm pretty, and you know what? Hopefully, nobody's gonna fact check me. I'm pretty sure Carl Bart was double predestination. But yeah, um, well, I think inherently he's gonna disagree with Plantinga. Mm-hmm. So, so Plantinga's free will defense, Calvinists use a lot. Um, but Which I think, they, yeah, they watered down the free will aspect because of course Calvinists would believe in like a perceived free will, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then, uh, what do they call it? Like a contingent free will. Um, but yeah, I don't know that he's going to butt heads with anybody insofar as the Calvinism because Keller, I've never known Keller to be like the most, he's not like RC Sproul or yeah, John MacArthur, yeah. mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like he's not like, that's not what defines his ministry and his theology. Whereas mm-hmm. a lot of guys who would never be on my list. Although RC Sproul could have been on my list. RC Sproul probably actually RC Sproul and Tim Keller probably shaped the way I teach the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a lot from watching RC Sproul teach, but um, so I love Calvinists, but Tim Keller to me, isn't defined by Calvinism. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But yeah, planting a, he would definitely clash with theologically. And in, so far as that goes, um, I don't know where Stott stands on Calvinism. Actually. I, I think he would have to be, uh, to a certain degree, free grace. Now, he's an interesting well. one because he was a uh, nihilationist, correct? He dabbled in it. Yeah. Okay, he dabbled. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. He, uh, yeah. Sorry. I mean, I think that he would probably. I mean, yes, he was an annihilationist. Which, which, for, for listeners that don't know a lot, annihilationists believe that in some form or fashion, what the Bible says about hell is uh, figurative, and that the eternal damnation, eternal separation experienced by people who are sent to hell eternally is actually an eternal separation from God through annihilation, the ceasing of existence. And that they would say that that in and of itself being like no longer being in the presence of God in any form or fashion through the ceasing of existence would be eternal torment. I am not a proponent of annihilationism. Um, which, you know, John, yeah, John Stott is somewhat well known for being 
perhaps the most well-known annihilationist in Orthodox Christianity. Um, the reason I say dabbled in it is like kind of like with Keller, like he, it was never the hallmark of his theology. The hallmark of his theology was his theology of the cross, mm-hmm. um, which, which was hugely impactful for me. So, but, but yeah, I think most of my guys would get along. I think that there'd probably be, you know, if, 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 you know, things got, if dinner went long, you know, somebody stole the last roll or something like that. Somebody, you know, somebody get heated, yeah. you know, accused mm-hmm. somebody of being a heretic or something. But <laughs> what do you, what do you guys think? How, what are you walking away from your meals with? I think mine's just going to be confusing. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to walk away with more questions. I That's think so. Hilarious. To a certain extent. You think you would just walk away and just be like, uh, we're all going to meet back here tomorrow night because I have more questions for you. Yeah, I think that'd be it. I think one-on-one would be better than a whole big group. I think Bishop Barron would be a lot of fun. I think he would be too. Um, I think Lewis would be a lot of fun. I think DBH would be really serious. I think well, he's seen like a lot of his videos. He has a pretty good sense of humor. Really, but it's very high-witted. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> so it'd probably get lo- it'd probably get lost on me. Yeah, well, yeah, that's good. I think I'd walk away from your dinner with questions. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I walked away from your list with questions when you sent us your list. I was like, dang, okay. So we're doing. I would now. need name tags for your dinner <laughs> bed for sure. <laughs> All right, and then uh, 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 Joshua Van Crib over here, dude. I, dude, I, I would thoroughly enjoy enjoy yours my dinner. Like I guarantee you, mine would be the most laughs. It I think would you be, would need to do yours at Top Golf. Oh man, that'd be sick. Can you imagine Tim Tebow just or Buffalo Wild. Wings Tim Tebow would be sending balls to meet the SpaceX launch. Like that would be legit. I think. I think. Like I think we'd be introducing C.S. Lewis and Tolkien to. Uh, to wild wing. Hey, they're English. Things. They know about some golf. They know about a swinger club, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. But no, dude, I I think it would be super, super positive, and I think that it would just – you would leave with your jaws hurting because you'd be laughing so hard. Yeah. Like, I think it would That'd be, be hilarious, time. and I, I would love every second. If you know my personality, I would love every moment of that. So I think it would be, be a lot of fun, um, which I think they'd all be fun, and, and hopefully – just in listening to us, um, I know that this this crew episode is a little bit more lighthearted than some of our others. That's that's intentional. You know, we don't always want to be bogged down in the seriousness of life because we do believe that, you know, our faith is a vibrant one that thrives in community. And mm. when we think about some of the giants of our faith, or even in the case of some of the people on our list, like people who are just important to us and because of the influence they've had on us, um, you know, we we do our faith best. In community, and so when I picture some of the momentous conversations and moments that could come from opportunities like this, it just makes me think, you know, how lucky we are to be able to do even what we're doing right now. You, the listener, being able to listen to things like this, and so really, I just hope it provokes in us the desire to take action. In uh, even though we can't, you know, have dinner with C.S. Lewis or J.R. Tolkien, um, you know, or Karl Barth or or, you know, and even some of the famous people, you know, like that we can't just have them over. We all have interesting people in our life. We all have people who are, are just as interesting, just as exciting, just as as loving and as encouraging as the people on this list. And so, yeah, maybe it can provoke you to have uh, this type of of uh, dinner party as we maybe come towards the end of of uh, isolation through the covid-19 pandemic. And so. Mm-hmm. And heck, if you ever do get the opportunity uh, to host any of these people at your dinner table, make sure to do it. I look forward to one day uh, in in heaven, uh, hopefully being able to rub elbows with some of the people on these lists who are no longer with us. And so, gentlemen, uh, as usual, uh, you guys are 
phenomenally interesting. I'm glad I get to sit at a table with you. Um, just like, you know, hopefully one day we'll sit at a table with, with some of these people. And so as usual, thanks for, for, for being so, so cool. So Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I like you agree. It's so cool. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having us at yeah. the table. Wonderful. And we'll do it again soon.